Ireland that's addicted to drugs and still actively using them uh, and wanting to get treatment and you're in a community, you often, you don't fit the mould. You know, you shouldn't be a certain way and people are making all these judgments on you. Um, so community, when you don't belong, can be an awful place. Have we really moved on from this morality of, you know, people who take drugs or, or drink too much you know, they're, they're morally corrupt or morally, there's something wrong with them morally, you know. We have a way of shaming women who use drugs. Um, and as you say, whether that's from the media, um, it can be self-shame. You know, women are known to kind of doubly shame themselves. You're shamed by society and you're shaming yourself on top of that. So you're, you're kind of bearing all of that. When women support each other, like miracles happen, like you see these miracles happening before your very eyes. Welcome to Let's Talk About Recovery, a series of talks with Professor Johanna Ivers and recovery coach and founder of Recovery Hour, Sandra Losty. The series of talks has its origins with an International Women's Day collaboration with the professor and the recovery coach, where they talked about the point at which the science and the lived experience meets. So welcome, my name is Sandra Losty recovery coach and founder of Recovery Hour. And I'm with the lovely. Professor Johanna Ivers, uh, Assistant Professor in Addictions at the School of Medicine, Trinity College, Dublin, and Associate Dean of Civic Engagement and Social Innovation at Trinity College, Dublin. Lovely. And today's topic we're going to talk about from the science and meeting the lived experience perspectives is women and recovery. Can you imagine two women talking about women in recovery goodness what has the world come to at all <laughs> sorry for that sarcastic tone there that that just uh, an overhang from from a different uh, a different life so johanna you have some really rich material around women's experiences in recovery and i'd love for you to kind of start and Give us some of those stark statistics around what it means for a woman either accessing uh, treatment to get into recovery or when they're in recovery, what happens? Tell us some of that story. What is the science saying? Well, what we know is that, you know, over the last decade, the need of women um, for treatment is much greater than it was before. Um, so in other words, more women presenting with addiction issues, um, more um, when we look at things like overdose, uh, again, that gap is something that's closing. We used to see a huge amount of, of men um, overdosing over women. And again, that's another a terrible gap that's that's closing so again there's a there's a real need for you know because when we talk about overdose and mortality or death rates um it's really it's at the the very stark end of people needing help and needing treatment um and i think that that's kind of the unfortunate thing with women needing treatment that it's often at that very late stage that they show up um and we can talk about the why of that, but the why is really down to things like, you know, stigma and shame, because 70 percent of women attending treatment, 70 to 80 percent of women attending treatment are mothers. Um, 
And when you're a mother who uses drugs, you are judged against a different stick than whether you're a man who's a parent who's using drugs. Um, because we have all these societal kind of um, judgments that we place on women and how they should be. Um, and one of the things that I've talked about quite recently is the need to stop seeing it as a woman's choice to be addicted and, and, and less of a choice for a man. Or that if a woman who uses drugs and has children uh, is somehow putting the drugs before the child and all those kind of crazy judgments we place on women, we know that they're the reasons why women don't go to treatment or for fear of you know, the child being removed from uh, the home. Uh, if, I, if I show up at treatment and I admit to using drugs, um, immediately that's seen as placing my child in danger. And when we talk about placing a child in danger, we talk about removing them from that danger. So you could see how that kind of drives a woman staying away from treatment. Um, and we know that that's the reason. The other thing is we talked about last week was around the connection and the community that people get when they get in recovery. And that's really important. But when you're a woman that's addicted to drugs and still actively using them uh, and wanting to get treatment and you're in a community, you often you don't fit the mold. You know, you shouldn't be a certain way and people are making all these judgments on you. Um, so community, when you don't belong, can be an awful place. You know, community, when we talk about it, uh, for all the richness and the niceness and and the, you know, bringing people along, role modeling, sharing of assets, you know, helping someone in their journey. It's the opposite of that. If you're someone that doesn't fit the mold because nobody wants to help you, people are judging you, people are, you know, making assumptions about you. Um, and so it can be a very lonely place. So we know that women are were never more in need of treatment than they are today, but yet they are kept out of treatment. And then the kind of ironic twist is that when women get into treatment and they're given that choice and chance, then it becomes something that they really grab at both hands. And it's kind of, as I said before, the, the reasons that keep them out of treatment, which is the threat to their family, um, is probably one of the bigger driving forces to keep women in treatment. So in other words, if I am able to access treatment and my child is able to access the resources they need, they're the recipe for success for women. Um, again, other, you know, stark statistics that you talked about is that women generally, because what we know fuels addiction and not recovery, but addiction, what keeps people using drugs is trauma and particularly unresolved trauma. And you can't resolve trauma unless you get help with that. And if, if, if you're kept outside of the system of help, um, you can't fix that. And what happens is you have this woman with a greater need because women experience much higher rates of trauma than their male counterparts in addiction. Um, so they're in greater need and they just can't access the treatment services. So it's kind of that vicious cycle. You know, the ones that need the treatment the most are not accessing it. Um, and it does come down to those things we talked about. It's about it's about stigma and it's about shame and blame. Mm. I, I, as you're talking there, I'm thinking, you know, have we really moved on from this morality of, you know, people who 
take drugs or or drink too much, you know, they're they're morally corrupt or morally there's something wrong with them morally, you know. Um, and and I I always kind of come back to when I hear about the gender differences, it's like it's like that Adam and Eve story all over again, you know, like it was like Adam, Adam gets the bypass because he was tempted, you know. Uh, and I'm not making this about religion, but it's that it's that interaction or it's that, you know, looking at uh, from one perspective of from a man's perspective, and from a woman's perspective is. We're still getting a raw deal, you know, there's still that massive, massive, massive raw deal around responsibility and what's wrong is worse for a woman. The interpretation that's there before before anybody even does anything or or says anything. And we only have to look at how the media portray women in the media around either using drugs or uh, drinking. Say, for example, we're coming up to some horse racing festival now. I guarantee you we the papers will be littered with women on their back, possibly with their dress, you know, up around their their waist and seeing their underwear, you know. And we might see some picture of a man with his tie you know, kind of crooker and bearing a chest sort of stuff, you know, but he will be upright and conscious and moving. And the, the, the picture of the woman will be unconscious on the on the ground, you know. And what does that tell us like that? I'm always I'm not and I'm not asking you this kind of question. I'm asking this more as a question to kind of think about what does that tell us that we have even unconsciously about how we perceive women who are taking substances and they may not be taking them to a, a, a an end, an addictive end. It could be somebody who drank too much on one particular day and, you know, they may never do that again, you know. But it's this perception that really, uh, really kind of irritates me around that. But you had some statistics there, Johanna, around uh, some stuff in the US. Tell us what those statistics were because they were quite startling. Well, I think what's important to know just before we go on to that is that um, what you just what you just described there is a shaming exercise, you know, and it's what I was talking about a second ago is that we have a way of shaming women who use drugs. Um, And as you say, whether that's from the media, um, it can be self shame. You know, women are known to kind of doubly shame themselves. You're shamed by society and you're shaming yourself on top of that. So you're you're kind of bearing all of that. Um, but of course, other people shame us. And one thing you talked about earlier on was that notion of, you know, that people do often when they use too many drinks or take too many drinks or use too many drugs. And it's to look in relative terms at someone else that's in their close circuit and compare themselves of well I'm bad but I'm not as bad as them so we seek shame out to make us seem not so bad so it's become a kind of weapon of choice um within you know uh, the use of drugs and and drink but I suppose the the start st- statistics that you talked about a moment ago that that I have just said was around you know, um, the level of trauma, like men will experience trauma. uh, But when it comes to women experiencing trauma, you know, they they often experience it at five to seven times greater than their male counterparts. Women are more likely to have experienced. And the SWAT uh, study really illustrated that 
um, women of uh, find it have experienced um, domestic violence at really higher rates. And again, a service that they tend not to be able to access is refuge. So women who are most in need um, of accessing service like refuge just aren't able to do that. Um, and again, they're not able to do that because they are women who use drugs. Um, there's almost like a blanket ban on women who use drugs um, accessing refuge. And that's something we really have to work hard at in this country to change. Um, you're talking about women that are most vulnerable um, in the most riskiest of situations where it is a matter of life and death and still she can't access treatment um, or safe ref refuge and often not just for her, but for the child as well. Because again, we're entering into this less than because you use drugs or somehow you're going to put other people um, at kind of risk or whatever the reason is, you're withholding something from a woman who is in desperate need. And uh, it really is something that we should be working every day to change. Um, so, yeah, we know that we know that women who use drugs are more likely to be in a relationship with a man who uses drugs, which makes it just that little bit difficult because Often when someone accesses treatment or, or wants to access treatment and they're in a partnership with another drug user, those two people are very often not in the same place. So in other words, one person wants to make a change and the other one might not be there yet. Um, and you can imagine how that plays out um, if you are trying to make a change and the person closest to you is just wallowing in the behavior that is the opposite of you making that change mm. yeah and when women you mentioned earlier when women step into uh, a place of recovery if they do get that support and they they step into a support system wherever that is that they they are more than likely to stay in that support system and make those changes in their life what what information have we got about that if any well, I think it just goes to, you know, of the information that we have, it's about that level of, you know, embracing community, um, wanting to kind of drive people forward, um, wanting to nurture and care for as much as that in itself is 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 a stereotype. It is something that drives like most stereotypes is true for a reason is that it drives people forward. And like I said, the irony is that. The thing that keeps the woman outside the treatment, which is, you know, risk to the child, is the one thing that will keep the woman in treatment because they're trying to kind of sustain that and look after others. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is it is all of the stuff that we, we know about women. Yeah. And I just know from the women's meeting and recovery hour, when women support each other, like miracles happen, like you see these miracles happening before your very eyes. And and that that and I I can kind of relate to this myself and this is not specific to having an experience of addiction but and and it's more a societal thing I think that I would have had more difficulty building relationships with women than I did with men because with men it was all kind of surface and all kind of jokey and banter and you know all of that sort of stuff but but women I didn't know how to I didn't know how to have friends really. You know, I didn't and I'm not a one for fashion or makeup or records. So I didn't have records. That'll tell you my age now. That is <laughs> I just completely outed myself. 
but I didn't have those conversation pieces uh, because they, they weren't particularly uh, my interest and they weren't, um, yeah, and they still really aren't in many ways. But I had huge difficulty making those relationships with women. But when I made them, the difference it made to my life, the, the difference of having that confidant, all of those things that I would have seen in other women that I really wanted. I was like, I really want to have a buddy and I want to go out places or go for walks or that sort of stuff, you know. Um, and when those relationships started to form and you're an I relationship is one of those relationships that was really healing. I'm going to say the word healing for me, you know, that that I could that I could be with another female and be accepted and be liked. You know, the fact that that somebody liked being in my company was huge, was absolutely huge. You know, so it it didn't take um, it didn't take any major incident, but that that building that friendship, allowing allowing the friendships to grow and trusting. And this is where I probably go into the into the more spiritual aspect of things is that. And, and understanding and realizing that our paths had crossed, not just for to be friends with one another, but our paths had crossed for a bigger purpose, even though I wouldn't have called it that at the time, you know. So the healing, the healing, the healing energy of women is it's powerful. Well, it is, because what you've just talked about there is, you know, compassion, empathy, acceptance, connection. And, you know, it's not surprising then that that's what made you thrive it's having a champion you know whether that's a man or a woman yeah um but as you say i think what recovery does is it it forges relationships and as i say it, it builds a community of people like-minded people and when you have a good woman in your life um magic happens as you say oh it's very true very true so now i had my sister and i had my friend johanna you know so and Amazing things happened. Absolutely amazing, amazing things happened. Um, what else do we need to say about women and recovery or where 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 does this need to go? Or what would you like to see happen? Well, I'd like to see, you know, a strive forward with the. Stop shaming each other, stop shaming ourselves. Um, and I'd like to see, um, yeah, for women to be given the same consideration as a man and what I mean is a woman who uses drugs to be accepted who is a parent to be accepted that you know when they show up to treatment they're there to like everybody else to make their lives better which in in turn will make the people's lives around them better um, and to give them the same choice and chance with less judgment um, which is, I know is a lot um, but also looking at the most vulnerable like women who are experiencing domestic violence stops mm. you know re-stigmatizing them mm. re-traumatizing them and locking them out yeah I mean I think that they're things that we really need to to push forward you know because we're talking about all sorts of changes and transformations that come with recovery but if you can't get a safe place for you and your child, then, you know, all bets are off. Yeah. So it, it isn't a matter of trying harder or looking deeper 
you know, there, there are certain things that need to be in place for this transformation to be given any chance of actually becoming a reality. Absolutely, because if you can't if you can't go somewhere safe and be safe, that I mean, if you look at the most basic of needs, you know, we talk about this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and in a very, you know, in a nutshell, what that is is it is looking at the needs that a person comes with. So the very top of the bottom of that, or top of it, whatever way you look at the triangle. You're trying to keep people safe, sound, fed and watered. And if somebody is in a domestic in a situation where they're experiencing domestic violence um, and trying to make a positive change, you can see how disempowering that is. Um, So without allowing, in this case, a woman, uh, an opportunity to feel safe, she can't make a change. I mean, put yourself in that in that scenario, when have you ever made a positive change while feeling unsafe? Mm, mm, it's mm. it's not it's not possible, you know. Um, the very basic is is to feel safe and to feel secure. Um, and secure is probably you know something that comes more with time. But to know that you, you know you're going to be safe and you have a safe place for your child is the absolute starting point for any mother. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking of if anybody's listening to this and they're, you know, they're reflecting on that question you just asked. And it's a question I would have asked people myself many times. And one of the responses was, well, I would have never got myself in that position anyway, you know. And I'm glad that people, I'm glad that people were able to not make that decision or find themselves in that situation. But if people really, truly allowed themselves to feel a moment of how unsafe that is or how uncertain that is for them, you know, it might just give them a different perspective on what that woman is is faced with. What resources has she got to pull on to help her out of that situation or, or even getting into the situation very often means they don't have the resources to stay out of it you know, that that may be all that there is available, you know, so it's it's more than just a decision to kind of live your life in a unsafe way, you know, and I, I really hope that people can understand that there's more at play than just staying in an unhelpful situation, you know. As you yeah. say, it's on us all, you know, it's yeah. on us all. And I think what we've seen in the last few months is interesting. It's the calling out, yeah. stand up for it. Stand up for someone who might be in a position to stand up for themselves mm-hmm. and stop seeing it as a person's choice because it isn't. I mean, if you've ever spent any time around anybody who is in addiction or or and experiencing domestic violence, you will know that there's absolutely no choice in it. So these judgments are often made by people who, you know, have never experienced or being close to someone who has experienced that um so it's an absolute judgment based on very little information yeah yeah absolutely and and let's hope people can be grateful that their their life is not that which um yeah is is good where are we going with this topic where do we where do we end this what is your final words on this topic of women and recovery and I, I appreciate that we've a lot of information about um accessing treatment and and how difficult that is 
So what message of hope are we giving women who are considering looking at a recovery pathway for them? I suppose to see themselves as as important and worthy and um, good enough, you know, and to stop identifying as a caregiver or a parent or, you know, a sister, but just to be enough on their own and to kind of push themselves forward for the women around us to champion the women around us. Yeah. You know, be a good woman to another woman, you know, um, it costs very little and it's a much better space to operate out of, you know, for yourself, for your own mental health, you know, but champion other women. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Totally agree with you there. And when women raise women up, not because there's something in for them, but because they can, that again has, hugely transformative power hugely transformative power so I appreciate that and if you're a woman listening to this recovery is is an amazing life there's a an amazing life there and if you have the resources to access it as in reaching out and asking for help and help being given to you I would highly encourage you to take it and like Johanna said women around if you can support somebody to access a recovery pathway afford them that opportunity that would be that would be very welcome we've come to the end of our time we'll be back this time next week with another topic on what recovery is all about from a science and a lived experience perspective we'll talk to you then bye over now you've been listening to let's talk about recovery with professor johanna ivers and recovery coach sandra losty